Good morning, and welcome to the Presbyterian Church of the Covenant. This is the podcast recording for June 7th. My name is Reverend Jason Warren Griffiths, and on behalf of the staff and I, I'd like to say welcome. Our first announcement is on June 13th, that's this coming up Saturday, at 11 a.m., we're going to be having a graduation drive-by at our campus. We're going to be honoring Kenny Almanza, graduating from Costa Mesa High School, the Mustangs. Jimmy Welsher, graduating from Garden Grove, the Argonauts. And then my very own son, Captain Zeke, graduating from I-Lead, 8th grade. Next announcement is, this is a communion service, so make sure you could pause the recording right now and go get the elements so you're ready for when we gather around the table and commune with one another. And then my last and final announcement, this is Trinity Sunday. So we have our very own Susan White reading for us a poem by John Donne. The Trinity by John Donne. Oh, blessed, glorious Trinity, Bones to philosophy, but milk to faith, which as wise serpents, diversely most slipperiness, yet most entanglings hath, as you distinguished, undistinct, by power, love, knowledge be. Give me a such self-different instinct, of these let all me elemented be of power, to love, to know you, unnumbered three. Our call to worship this morning comes from Psalm 8. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. What is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? Let us worship the Lord.
Good morning, and thank you for tuning in to today's children's message. Have you ever walked up to someone's front door and they have this rectangular thing on the floor in front of the door? Do you know what that thing's called? That's right. It's called a welcome mat. And we often place a welcome mat outside our front doors to our homes. But what is the real purpose of a welcome mat? Some may think that it's to nonchalantly ask you to please wipe your feet before you enter. But the word welcome really means to greet someone in a warm and friendly way. So when someone comes to your house, do you help make them feel welcome? What if it is someone who looks different from you? What if it is someone who doesn't dress as you do? Sometimes I wonder if people truly feel welcome when they come and visit our church. Do the homeless feel welcome in our church? Do people from different ethnic or cultural backgrounds feel welcome in our church? And here's a question you might want to answer. Are children made to feel welcome in our church? What if they don't know how they are expected to act in the worship service? What if they whisper and pass notes to their friends? What if they wiggle and squirm and disturb worship? This is all nothing new. And even in the day in which Jesus lived, some people were not made to feel welcome. Even Jesus' own disciples sometimes didn't understand that everyone was welcome in the kingdom of God. One day, Jesus was teaching and people were bringing little children to have Jesus touch them. And the disciples criticized the parents and told them to quit bringing their children to Jesus. When Jesus heard what his disciples were saying, he was very upset. Let the children come to me and don't stop them, Jesus said. The kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. Anyone who doesn't come like a little child will never enter. Then Jesus took the children in his arms and he blessed them. Wow, Jesus sure knew how to make a child feel welcome, didn't he? Can you imagine how those children must have felt when Jesus took them up in his arms and blessed them? Shouldn't you and I make everyone feel welcome like Jesus did? Pray with me. Dear Father, we want to learn the lesson that Jesus taught us. Help us to make everyone from the youngest to the oldest feel welcome in our homes, in our church, in our schools, and in our circle of friends. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It is in our confession where we realize our desire for God and our hope for God's mercy. It is in admitting the truth of our lives that we take the first step toward wholeness and healing. With that in mind, let us confess our sins against God and neighbor. Holy God, you called all that is into being and offered humanity life in all its fullness. Yet we have allowed good relationships to be broken We have become distant from you and our neighbors. Forgive us, Lord. There are chasms in our lives, deep valleys that separate us from one another and from you. 
We confess that we have allowed these rifts to grow. Forgive us, Lord. At times we have failed to speak out for justice, leaving the voiceless without an advocate. For fear of being rejected when we reach out, forgive us, Lord. You have called us to a reconciled life, to healed relationships, to a wholeness with each other and with you. To all who fall short of God's glory, you offer pardon and peace. Mend us, we pray, and make us a new creation through the power and the love of Christ Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. God is forgiving and just. God receives us just as we are and lifts us up and calls us again to be people upholding justice and peace. Receive God's pardon and his peace that transcends all understanding, knowing that our sins are forgiven. Thanks be to God.
silence the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory, for you are raised to life again. Sing it, you have no rival. You have no rival, you have no equal, now and forever God you reign. Yours is the kingdom, yours is the glory, yours is the name above all names. You have no rival, you have no equal, now and forever, God, you reign. What a powerful name it is, what a powerful name it is. Come on, sing it. Name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a powerful name it is, yes, nothing can stand against. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. You have no rival. You have no rival. You have no equal. Now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the kingdom, yours is the glory, yours is the name above all names. Last time, what a powerful name it is, what a powerful name it is, name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a powerful name it is, nothing can stand against, what a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus, what a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus, what a powerful name it is, the name of starting a new series this morning on the first letter of Peter. Peter was one of Jesus' best friends. When the apostles or disciples are listed in the New Testament, he's at the top of every one of those lists. We've been studying Acts as a church, and we've seen him come into his own. He's, He's a hero of the Christian faith. And you remember at the beginning of the whole thing, the beginning of this story, when Jesus first finds him, he's a fisherman. Now, we're reading this letter, and this letter is written by Peter later in his life. So he's an older, wiser fisherman. With that in mind, let's go to the text. We're in 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, even if, now, for a little while, you have had to suffer various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold, that, though perishable, is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Although you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy. For you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that was to be yours made careful search and inquiry, inquiring about the person or time that the Spirit of Christ within them indicated when it testified in advance to the sufferings destined for Christ and the subsequent glory. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you, in regard to the things that have now been announced to you through those who brought you good news by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What a text. As we are in the middle of this pandemic and as there's civil unrest all around and as even I don't know if you were you felt the earthquake on Wednesday there's earthquakes happening the wheels are falling off the wagon ladies and gentlemen even amidst all this I think this passage that we're studying this morning is absolutely perfect Peter is passionate. These these verses, chapter uh, verses three through twelve, in the Greek, it's only one sentence. His passion is overflowing, and it reminds me of someone else I know that has run on sentences that starts going down rabbit trails, and those rabbit trails have rabbit trails. So as we go through this recognize that God's word is alive and active and allow it to hop off the page and meet you this morning he starts the text blessed be God now that's how most Hebrew prayers begin and as many commentators point out Jewish prayers aren't prayers you you say they're prayers you sing 
So right out of the gate, Peter is calling in the midst of the wild circumstances in which he's writing for the people of God to praise God. We are worshipers, are we not? I don't know about you, but when tough times hit, I don't break out in song. It's not like a musical. So Peter, as the old fisherman, the wise man, is writing right out of the gate, I'm convicted. Sing. Let your God hear your voice. Through the ups and the downs, praise God. And so then Peter continues and he he starts describing the identity, our identity, followers of Christ's new identity as found in him. He says that if you're a follower of Jesus, you have resurrection life. You have an inheritance. You have an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. And he continues, like I said, there's no there's no punctuation. So he says, okay, I'm praising you, God. I'm praising you. The Lord Jesus Christ is absolutely amazing. His followers are resurrected in you. And he continues, he says, oh, that reminds me. Oh, by the way, that salvation that's imperishable, it's, it's given to us through faith. And then he starts teaching on faith and faith. Faith is is made stronger in times like this. Faith is made stronger amidst COVID-19, amidst earthquakes, amidst civil unrest. Let me get this straight. Everyone suffers. Every man, woman, and child suffers. This passage... Peter gives us meaning to the suffering. But through suffering, uh, through faith, actually, while in the midst of suffering, suffering is transformed into something else. Suffering is transformed into what really... It is. Let me get this right. As followers of Jesus, our suffering is transformed into testing and into trials. Do you follow? Now, I don't know about you, but I kind of want to turn off the podcast right now. When you hear the word test, I usually am like, I'm 
I'm, I don't like the word test. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I run out of the room where I fight tests. But testing isn't necessarily... Um, I'll give you a story. I was getting ordained. I was getting ordained into the Presbyterian Church in the San Gabriel Presbytery. And I went before Presbytery and they have a testing where you stand up and they quiz you. And they can quiz you on anything. They can throw anything at you. Anything in the Book of Order, anything in the Book of Confessions. They can just... they. You know, they can throw it. It was it was very, very nerve wracking. And I'm like I said, I'm not the best test taker. And so I was pretty much sweating bullets. And the moderator um, of of Presbytery, he he correctly stood up and he said, now, this isn't like testing to tear you down. This is testing in the biblical sense, in the way that God tests so that you what you know might be brought forth and shine brightly. And I had been warned, but there's this one guy, his name was Mark. His, uh, he's a doctor. He was a pastor and a doctor. And uh, his, uh, he was a Harvard Divinity grad. So he's he was famous for crushing people <laughs> during this testing time, you know? And so I remember I was standing up there and he, st- he, he, he raised his hand and then they, the moderator called on him and he was like the second or third to go. And he said, Jason, tell me what you know about the kingdom of God. And I just lit up and he saw that I lit up and he said, Yes, I did just throw you a softball. <laughs> you know, I just teed it up for you. But I think that's the idea behind the Christian understanding of testing. Our faith is brought out and put on center stage through times like we're experiencing right now. Notice Peter says, faith is made of stuff that's stronger than gold. Because when you heat up gold, it'll disintegrate. It'll, it'll, it'll just disappear. But you, brothers and sisters in Christ, your faith in Christ, your faith in the promises that he's made you into a new person and that he's coming back for you, that hope that's more secure than any bank could promise your faith in that, it can stand all kinds of trials and tribulations. It can stand all kinds of heat. And actually, the hotter it gets, the more radiant and more beautiful it gets. And then he he, he starts talking. It's almost like he's talking through the page and looking straight at you and I. And you, this is verse 8. And you, you, you haven't seen him. Peter, he's one of Jesus' best friends. He hung out with him you know, for pretty much three years straight. They were together. And he's looking at us and he's saying, you guys, you didn't see him. You didn't get the privilege and the honor to, to, to watch him feed 5,000 people. You didn't get to see him make lame people walk. You didn't get to see him literally save people from themselves physically, spiritually and emotionally 
And he uses that. He just says, you know, because you didn't get to see him save people. And then he starts doing soteriology, which is the study of salvation. And so he starts talking about what salvation looks like. And I don't know about you, but this is like a cup of water in the desert. I've, I've needed hope. I've needed a Savior. And he starts in verse 10, concerning this salvation... The salvation has been promised of. You know, there's one commentator who mentioned um, a good word picture, a good parable would be a blind man lighting torches on a path so that people could find their way to their destination and ultimately out of the dark into the day. The Old Testament prophets are those are those blind men and women. They didn't get to see. They didn't get to see what we, you and I have seen. They didn't get to see that God didn't spare his one and only son. He sent him on our behalf. And he sent him to do miracles and to live. But he also sent him so that our sins might be covered on the cross. So our ultimate salvation would be secure. They didn't get to see all that. But it's the same salvation. It's the same God. It was revealed to them. By the Holy Spirit. And it was revealed to us through that same Spirit. And he ends our passage with angels. Angels wish they were you and I. How do I apply this? How do we apply this? First, let it meet you. Let it meet you as it has met me. Praise God in the midst of this storm. Lift up your head. Ask the question, who am I? Look in a mirror. Ask the question, who am I? And then look at this text. Look at the first couple verses of this text. You are newborn. You are resurrected in Christ. You are one who has an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading. You are protected by the power of God. Then realize 
our deliverance is sure. Our, our suffering, it's just for a little while. And allow the Spirit to transform our suffering into the testing of our faith. That our faith might be made into something more and more beautiful. And please, continue to study this book with me. And now, let's have the kingdom of heaven come meet us as we continue in worship and then commune together. As we continue in worship, I'd like to give you an update. Um, as you may have noticed, we have been counting offerings and tithes every other week. And so this week we did count on June 2nd. And $11,125 came in in gifts once again. We are to praise our Heavenly Father, our precious Lord Jesus, and our powerful Spirit for sustaining us and providing for us every step of the way. If you would like to send tithes and offerings, please send them to PCC, P.O. Box 2128, Costa Mesa, California 92628. At this time, our tithes and offerings are received. One day, clay village woman, driven by love for her Lord, recklessly poured out. A valuable essence Disregarding the scorn And once it was broken And spilled out A fragrance filled all the room Like a prisoner released from his shackles Like a spirit set free from the tomb Broken and spilled out Just for love of you, Jesus My most precious And used up 
Today is Trinity Sunday. We've completed the first half of the Christian year. Through Advent and Christmas, we have remembered the saving promise of God. We have proclaimed the mystery of our faith in Lent and Easter. And we have seen the transforming work of the Spirit in the world at Pentecost. As we come to the table this morning, we remember all of these things, and we come in grateful thanksgiving. Our Lord told his followers, I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. Wherever you are seated this morning, Christ is present with you in the breaking of the bread and the drinking of the cup. This is the Lord's table. You are invited to come and eat. You don't need to be a member of this church. You don't even need to be Presbyterian. Christ our Lord invites all who love him and have given their lives to him. Come 
to the feast which he has prepared. Pray with me. You are holy, O God of majesty, and blessed is Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Born of Mary, he came to dwell among us, full of grace and truth. To all who believed, he gave power to become your children. In ministry among your own, Jesus cared for all, forgiving their failures, healing their hurts, and nurturing their faith, giving himself in utter sacrifice for those he loved. He inspired ordinary folk to spirit-filled living and displayed in his life, death, and rising again the power of your spirit. Gracious God, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and upon these, your gifts of bread and wine, that the bread we break and the cup we bless may be the communion of the body and blood of Christ. As this bread is Christ's body for us, send us out to be the body of Christ in the world. Nurture us at this table, O Lord, that we may grow to the stature of Jesus Christ. Help us to love you above all else and to love our neighbors as we love ourselves, demonstrating that love in deed and word toward all your children. Keep us faithful in your servants until Christ comes in final victory and we shall feast with all your saints in the joy of your eternal realm. Through Christ, with Christ, in Christ, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor are yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. We give you thanks that on the night of his arrest, Jesus took bread, and after giving thanks to you, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus also had said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. In the same way we say to you, take, eat, this is the body of Christ. And then after giving thanks, Jesus took the cup and said, This is the cup of the new covenant, my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. And Paul later adds the words, As often as we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death and resurrection and that he's coming back for us. The cup of Christ, people.
Let's pray together. Almighty and everlasting God, you have given to us, your, your servants, grace by the confession of a true faith to acknowledge the glory of the eternal Trinity and in the power of your divine majesty to worship the unity. Keep us steadfast in this faith and worship and bring us at last to see you in your one and eternal glory. O Father, who with the Son and the Holy Spirit live and reign, one God, forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. And now, to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling, and to present you before His glorious presence, without fault and with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. May it be so. Amen.